from the rule of our Holy Father, St. Benedict. Chapter the seventh, De Humilitate, continued. The fourth degree of humility is that if in this very obedience hard and contrary things, nay, even injuries are done to him, he should embrace them patiently with a quiet conscience and not grow weary or give in. As the scripture saith, he that shall persevere to the end shall be saved. And again, let thy heart be comforted and wait for the Lord. And showing how the faithful man ought to bear all things, however contrary for the Lord, it saith in the person of the afflicted, for thee we suffer death all the day long. We are esteemed as sheep for the slaughter. And secure in their hope of the divine reward, they go on with joy, saying, but in all these things we overcome through him who hath loved us. And so, in another place, Scripture saith, Thou hast proved us, O God, thou hast tried us, as silver is tried by fire. Thou hast led us into a snare, and hast laid tribulation on our backs. And in order to show that we ought to be under a superior, it goes on to say, Thou hast placed men over our heads. Moreover, fulfilling the precept of the Lord by patience in adversities and injuries, they who are struck on one cheek offer the other. To him who taketh away their coat, they leave also their cloak. And, being forced to walk one mile, they go too. With Paul the Apostle, they bear with false brethren and bless those that curse them. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The reading of the Holy Rule each day is not a matter of mere convention. We don't read the Holy Rule every morning because it's the done thing. We read the Holy Rule every morning because we need to hear it. A very helpful practice and one that I recommend not only to the Father Subprior, who's been uh, with me almost from the beginning, but to the newly arrived brothers and to all those in between, is to listen in the daily reading of the rule for its immediate application to your life. To your life. What is the rule saying to you Today, How does this text get off the page and into your heart 
and how does it pass into your life? I, reading the fourth degree of humility on my 65th birthday, uh, find in it uh, elements of my own history. Uh, I can't help but read it today uh, in the light of 65 years, uh, the greater part of which have been spent as a monk, uh, not as my brother Terence says. <laughs> my brother Terence said somewhere that my brother Mark has been a monk for as long as I can remember. <laughs> but all the time, all the same, it's been a very long time. And everything in this fourth degree, I can relate to something in my own personal journey. Every line I can relate to my own life experience. And with time, there's a symbiosis that take, takes place between the text of the rule and the life of a monk. And this is, this is what I desire for each of you, uh, that the Holy Rule become for you uh, not just a book of life, but the book of your life, the book of your life. The fourth degree of humility is that if in this very obedience hard and contrary things, nay, even injuries are done to him. So here St. Benedict is telling you what you can expect. So to the postulants, to the novices, to the professed, what can you expect in the monastic life? Hard and contrary things, even injuries. And how are you to face these hard and contrary things, these injuries, patiently with a quiet conscience? Patiently. Long-suffering is a monastic virtue. Uh, this uh, particular passage of the rule, uh, tacita conscientia patientiam amplectatur, uh, he should embrace them patiently with a quiet conscience. Um, the, the reference is to uh, the Acts of the Martyrs, who uh, embrace uh, their sufferings patiently with a quiet conscience. Um, the monk uh, walks uh, in the way of the martyrs. Uh, all of the monks of old saw themselves as imitating the martyrs, those perfect imitators, those passion bearers of Christ. And not grow weary or give in. Here you have two temptations. The temptation to weariness, which often is complicated by bouts of acedia, weariness, the temptation to give in, I give up, I've had it, I'm out of here. This is a temptation that assails every monk at different moments in his life. I've just had enough, I'm signing out. 
As the scripture saith, he that shall persevere to the end shall be saved. Ask the Blessed Virgin Mary every day to give you the gift of perseverance. That's implicit uh, in, in the Hail Mary. Now, and at the hour of our death, it's implicit in the Hail Mary. Um, we ask for the grace to persevere in that uh, arc of time that lies between now and the hour of our death. Ask the Blessed Virgin frequently, daily, for the grace of perseverance. Perseverance is not something that a man can take for granted. The monastic life is a struggle, is a combat. And at times uh, it's, it's an, uh, an arduous combat. And anyone who thinks that monastic life is a walk in the park has a lot to learn. Uh, of course, on a day like today, the sun is shining, the sky is blue, you can see the sea, you can go for a walk, and you say, oh, smell the roses, look at the wildflowers, go to the polytunnel, look at everything growing. It won't always be like today. It will be dark, gloomy, cold days, and when I speak of dark, cold, and gloomy, I mean not only without, but within. And uh, St. Benedict says, uh, let thy heart be comforted and wait for the Lord. Let thy heart be comforted. It is a right and just for a man to pray for comfort, uh, to be uh, given solace. Uh, it's all right to ask for the soothing word the comforting touch of God. There's a curious kind of strain among some Catholics. They have this notion that it is wrong, or at least less than perfect, to ask for, to look for comfort. Very strange thing. When our Lord himself accepted the consolation offered him by the angel sent to him, uh, by the Father in Gethsemane. Uh, why do we invoke Our Lady as the Consolatrix Afflictorum if then we disdain being comforted? I'm a tough guy. I can do this. It's better if I do it on my own. Hmm? Uh, bring it on. Uh, this is a terrible spiritual pride in that attitude. What does a little child do? Do little children have any complexes about asking for comfort? When a little child runs to his daddy and throws his arms around his daddy's knees and buries his face uh, there, uh, when a little child runs and jumps up and uh, throws his arms around his, his mama's neck, a child's asking to be comforted. When a child falls and hurts himself, what does he do? He shows his, 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 his mother what happened and he asks to be comforted. 
And our Lord says, unless you become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. There's nothing wrong with asking to be comforted. So if you have a problem with asking for comfort or solace, get over it. Become like a little child. It's all right to ask to be comforted. This stoic approach to holiness does not square with spiritual childhood. It simply doesn't. So accept and even seek the comfort that comes from God and that comes from God by way of human mediations and wait for the Lord. Most prayer consists in waiting for the Lord. Um, brothers have sometimes said to me, oh, I, I go to my watch of adoration. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Should I read a book? Should I, uh, what should I do? How should I spend my time? I'm at a loss. I'm looking out the window. I'm daydreaming. I'm thinking of all the things I could do, I should do, I would do. Um, uh, I think it's a waste of time. Uh, we all go through this sort of temptation. St. Benedict says, and wait for the Lord. Time spent waiting for the Lord is never time wasted. And showing how the faithful man ought to bear all things, however contrary for the Lord, it's set in the person of the afflicted, so if you would be faithful, expect to have to bear all things, contrary things, hard things, heavy things. Except in the person of the afflicted, for thee we suffer death all the day long. We are esteemed as sheep for the slaughter. Uh, you know, there should be a greeting card for postulants <laughs> uh, with a sheep. On, on the card. And, and the message should be, um, welcome, you've come to suffer death all the day long. You are a sheep for the slaughter. That would be a great greeting card for, mm. for postulants. You know? uh, I don't think Hallmark would be interested in ma marketing that. <laughs> but that's, that's what it's about. But St. Benedict goes on to say, and secure in their hope of the divine reward. Securi despe retributionis divine. This, uh, at the center of the fourth degree of humility, is this. Secure in their hope of the divine reward, they go on with joy. Subsequuntur gaudentes et dicentes. Gaudentes et dicentes. Rejoicing and saying, or dicentes can also mean singing. Huh? It can also mean singing. Huh? Gaudentes et dicentes, but in all these things we overcome. Superamus. We overcome through him who hath loved us. So this is one of those texts uh, Romans 8, 37, uh, that you need to copy out and keep at hand. 
so that on those days when you feel completely uh, downtrodden, weak, uh, unable to go on, you can read. Um, in all these things we overcome through him who hath loved us. And so in another place, Scripture saith, Thou hast proved us, O God. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried by fire. Thou hast led us into a snare and hast laid tribulation on our backs. Um, the trying of silver uh, was a craft well known to the psalmist. Uh, this plunging of silver into the furnace again and again uh, to reduce it to its essence, uh, purified of all uh, admixtures. Uh, and this is um, the work of God in us. Uh, he plunges us into the purifying furnace of his love again and again. Thou hast led us into a snare. Sometimes one very much feels that the monastic vocation has been a snare. Thou hast led us into a snare. How did I get snared? How did I get caught? How did I, how do I find myself in this trap? Not T-R-A-P-P-E, <laughs> but sometimes a monk feels as if he's been snared. Uh, yes, uh, the divine hunter has laid a snare for us and caught us. The divine hunter. And has laid tribulation on our backs. The mystery of the cross. And in order to show that we ought to be under a superior, it goes on to say, thou hast placed men over our heads. Moreover, fulfilling the precept of the Lord again by patience. So the construction of this fourth degree is this patience at the beginning of the fourth degree, and the same word occurs at the end of the fourth degree. It's a very interesting literary construction here. Patience and patience. Patience in adversities. Adversities are the things that come up against us. And injuries, they who are struck on one cheek off of the other, to him who taketh away their coat, they leave also their cloak, and being forced to walk one mile, they go to Matthew um, 5, 39 and 41. Again, do you see how the Holy Rule is steeped in the Gospels, in St. Paul, in St. John, of course, in the Psalms. But, but the, the whole rule glows with the light of the gospel. Glows with the light of the gospel. Um, and then the, the last line is very important. With Paul the Apostle, they bear with false brethren. There's no monastery that has not had false brethren. If you look at the annals of monastic life, if you look at the life of St. Benedict, Look at the false brethren. They tried to poison the man. <coughs> so false brethren have always been a part of monastic history. They bear with false brethren and <coughs> bless 
those that curse them. Do not think for a minute that people today do not curse others. They do. They do. Um, they do it implicitly and they do it explicitly. And the remedy for cursing is always the same remedy. Blessing. Our Lord gives it here. Bless those that curse them. Get in to make it a habit to bless those who have in the past cursed you. Bless them. Explicitly bless them. I wrote a prayer uh, to facilitate this, and we, we distribute it from the gatehouse, uh, a prayer of forgiveness and reparation, uh, by which souls who have been uh, cursed or maligned or abused uh, can pray for uh, and bless <coughs> those who have cursed them, maligned them, or abused them. This is not an option in the Christian life, and so it cannot be an option in the monastic life. To be benedictine, benedice, benedictus, huh? to be a benedictine is to be a man who blesses, who has blessing always in his mouth. A benedictine is a man of blessing, a man blessed by God, who blesses God and blesses in the name of God. So, uh, the only way to oppose um, the curses uh, that come at us uh, from the powers of darkness and those moved by the powers of darkness and those moved by uh, the, the inclination to sin is to counter every curse with blessing. Do you know what that does? It takes the venom out of the curse. It disarms the opponent. It disinfects the wound caused by the curse. So all of this is in the fourth degree, which is quite, quite remarkable. You can see how the rule is the book of a lifetime, can't you? It really is the book of a lifetime. And <clears throat> when the monks of Flavigny were here uh, a couple of years ago already, um, two of them came to me and said the one thing that struck them about life at Silverstream is the daily, con the, the constant reference to the rule of St. Benedict as a way of life applied to the here and now. And these are monks from, from a great abbey from a great abbey. Yeah. And they said that it's this constant reference to the Holy Rule. And I pray that this will always be the grace of our monastery, that we be men of the Holy Rule. And, and uh, I will not always sit in this chair, but my prayer is that the man who sits in this chair after me will remain faithful to the daily setting forth of the Holy Rule as our way of life. This is our reference. When Abbot Guéranger was criticized, you know, Abbot Guéranger was a secular priest. He had no monastic experience at all. He had no Benedictine pedigree. After the revolution, monastic life in France was decimated, and he managed to buy the priory of Solem, and with a handful of like-minded men, 
they started Benedictine life as they understood it. But it was purely speculative and a bit bookish because they had no living examples. And there were a few cranky old Morrists <coughs> left in France uh, who, who lived through the revolution. Uh, and they said with manifest disdain, that priest has no right to call himself a Benedictine. He's no Benedictine. Uh, he has no, no pedigree, is what they were saying. And Dame Guéranger smiled and said, Nous serons bénédictins de par la règle. We will be benedictines by following the holy rule. And, and then look at what happened. Solem became the Benedictine reference, the Benedictine reference for all of Europe in the 19th century. Without Solem, no Boiron. Without Boiron, no Maritsu. Without Maritsu, no Glenstall. Without Glenstall, no monastery in Nigeria. <laughs> Without, it's amazing how out of that little nucleus of men who just said, we want to live the rule. An extraordinary monastic revival took place in the church, in the whole church.